This is a Woodside Church podcast. I'm very glad to be able to announce this morning that Easter is not going to be cancelled. Whoa, yes, why not? Yes. Nor is it going to be postponed. We are in the run-up to Easter. Now, I don't know what will happen regarding church meetings and things like that, but we are in the run-up to Easter. Um, Easter remains because Jesus died and rose again, and that is the greatest thing that has ever happened in the history of humanity and, I dare say, in the universe. So, we're going to look at that. Jesus who killed him? That's where we want to start. Who killed Jesus? Who is to blame? Um, historically, people have sometimes blamed the, the Jewish people and, and victimized them. Um, certainly the leaders at the time and the, uh, um, and the crowd that they gathered were uh, heavily implicated. People have blamed the Romans, uh, Pontius Pilate, for all of his prevarication, all of his humming and hawing. In the end of the day, it was his name that will be forever associated with the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, his betrayer played his role. Some people with more perception see themselves in the characters. When I read the story, I think I could have done that. Yeah, I'd be a bit like I'd be a bit like Peter. I'd be a bit like that one. I'd be a bit like that one. Um, we believe that Jesus died for the sins of the whole world and he was there because of us. So in one way, we did it. There was a famous writer called G.K. Chesterton who uh, um, there'd been a long correspondence in the Times about what's wrong with the world. And he ended it by saying, Dear Sir, I am yours, G.K. Chesterton. I'm the problem with the world. It's my, my sin that is uh, you know, mankind and the wrong it does through each of us. Us, in a strange way, we can, also, we can also talk about God because it says in uh, Isaiah 53, in an amazing prophecy written 800 years before Jesus died and yet predicting it in detail, um, he says at the end, it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. Um, so God was involved as well. But with whatever we say about all of these different people, we cannot doubt that the actual people who put the nails through Jesus' hands and through his feet, and stuck a spear in his side, were the soldiers. And today, that's what we're going to look at. We'll look at Jesus through the eyes of the soldiers. Let's hear the story. And uh, the difficulty we have is there's so much. We had Simon, what's his name, of Simon of Cyrene a week or two ago, and there's just a few verses. Well, here we've got four separate accounts, and so I'm going to have to pick some and refer to others as we go through it. Um, so here is what um, Matthew has to say. Pilate released Barabbas to them, but he had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. He just passes by on the flogging bit. I mean, have you ever seen the uh, Mel Gibson film? It's absolutely gruesome, and he just passes it by. He had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the praetorium, which was the, governor, which was the governor's palace, and gathered the whole company of soldiers, which would be about 600 people, um, around him. And they stripped him 
and put a scarlet robe on him, and then they twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. They put a staff in his right hand and knelt in front of him and mocked him. Hail, king of the Jews, they said. They spat on him and took the staff and struck him on the head again and again. After they'd mocked him, they took off the robe and put his own clothes on him. And then they led him away to crucify him. As they were going out, they met a man from Cyrene called Simon, and they forced him to carry the cross. They then got to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. And there they offered Jesus wine to drink, mixed with gall. It's a sort of drug. The idea is that, you know, if he's a bit woozy, he'll get through it better. But Jesus refused it. When they had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots. And sitting down, they kept watch over him there. Above his head, they placed the written charge against him. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. And two robbers were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. So, there be four of them, four soldiers, a little detail with a centurion in charge. And they mocked him and they uh, put nails through his hands and um, why were they doing it in part they were told to but there's also a degree of pleasure in it because these guys they're not Roman citizens they believe that there were no Roman citizen soldiers in Palestine at the time but they were locals from the non-Jewish population who were fighting a Jewish insurgency and now they've got their hands on someone who's supposed to be the king um, and so there's some delight here. There's some racism. There's some, some prejudice. Um, there's some revenge. You know, we might remember back to the Iraq War when uh, some of our own soldiers were accused of doing nasty stuff to people once they finally got them in their grip. But they were doing a job. Fundamentally, it was what they'd been told to do. They were doing a job. I want to look a little bit more into, does that let them off the hook? Because um, as we see that, we start to understand something about our own motivations and the, the, the things that we get involved with too. Um, you know, it was only a couple of months ago, this, this crisis seems to make us forget the past, but it was only a couple of months ago that we were um, commemorating 75 years since the liberation of Auschwitz and the six million Jews killed. And, you know, in these, crime tri these war crime trials, they seem to arrest, you know, convict about six people and... You know, millions of people have been slaughtered and everybody else is just obeying orders. You know, is, is, is that real? You know, one day we'll all stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account for what we've done, whether it's good or bad. And, um, you know, were these guys just innocent because they're, they're doing their job? They could have chosen another job. <laughs> you know, how do we get into stuff? Do you get attracted into a job, good pay, nice uniform? Some, some things we don't like about it, but, you know. Um, you know, outside of their work, they're probably, you know, people say, oh, lovely guys, you know, help old ladies across the road, you know, always doff their cap. You know, it is weird how people can be so nice and then put them in a situation and they are brutalized by the, the surrounding that they've been put into. Think of the mocking that they're doing here. So they're profiting from it, but they're also enjoying it. You know, the mocking is really quite creative. The crown of thorns, they have to go out of the palace and look for some thorns and weave it together. And the, you know, and the rope, I mean, it's, 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 it's a sort of ritualized thing. It looks as if they probably did, it with, did something to everyone they killed. You know, they, they have their fun along the way. Were they like that at the start? We get into stuff. 
and we get brutalized by kids, you know, bullies. And, uh, and people, you know, you get into a crowd, they're wearing the right clothes, and then they start picking on someone else. Jesus here looks like a loser, and the world doesn't like losers. You know, he's, he's vulnerable. I remember a couple of years ago, I had an, a colonoscopy at the hospital for something fairly triv- trivial, and unlike Jesus, I took the drugs. Um, <laughs> and, but you feel so vulnerable, and I'm, I'm surrounded by doctors and nurses who care for me. What, what was it like for Jesus? You know, surrounded by people who just, you know, are out to get him. Um, so, you know, am I doing things in my work? Have I gotten to a situation where I'm doing stuff that, I, to be honest, I would be ashamed of? Or would have been ashamed of a few years ago? Some of the soldiers, not these ones here, but some others were actually paid to suppress the truth about Jesus' resurrection. And that can happen too. When there's money involved, we, can, we try to believe anything. I had a job a couple of years ago, and sort of from day one, I knew it wasn't the right job. And I was trying to persuade myself that there was something worthwhile in it. And it really wasn't. I was trying to persuade in some way this job was doing good to the world. And you, you kid yourself. You kid yourself when there's money in it. Jesus didn't kid himself. Jesus said, I've come to be a testimony to the truth. But beyond all of this, there's something else we hardly even understand that, was, that's, that is bigger than all of these other problems, that they, things that they got involved in, is that they were messing with something holy. Um, to be honest, any human being is something holy. I mean, think of the... Just from a scientific point of view, you are extraordinarily and wonderfully made. When I was a student, I used to have a poster up on my wall, and it called itself Biochemical Pathways. It was no use to me. I couldn't understand it, but it was full of equations and arrows and stuff around it. And it was just a way of reminding myself, how amazing is life? You know, how amazing is that stuff? And, and these guys are sticking nails through it. You know, I mean, violence is a grim, grim thing. It was a terrible age they lived in, but it doesn't change the fact. But on top of that, of course, unbeknown to them, this is the Son of God. The one time God visits the planet, we kill him. Um, And if you've had someone do something wrong to your child, you don't really care if they didn't quite realize what they're doing, if it was just a job. Actually, it can hurt more. You know, in in, in our own trivial way, 10 years ago, when we were booted out of a country, it it was... it was upsetting to think that everyone was just doing their job, but our life was ending. When Jesus' case, his life really was ending. Um, so I conclude at the end of that that these guys are in it up to their necks. And yet, they're transformed. They are going to be transformed. And we can expect people to be transformed through wonderful, powerful events. We don't expect it to happen through the death of somebody I've got in my charge because he's a miscreant. You know, you're just not expecting it. You don't have your glasses on. You don't have your eyes open. If you're, you know, if you're a policeman or a soldier or just someone dealing with a, you know, you're not expecting that that person is going to change my life. That's the last thing you're imagining. And yet it happens. So let's hear the rest of the story, this time from Luke. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place of the skull, they crucified him along with the criminals, one on the right, one on the left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. 
The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he's a Christ of God, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him, and they offered him wine vinegar and said, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other Messiah, sorry, the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you're under the same sentence. We're punished justly. We're getting what we deserve. Uh, they were probably murderers who'd been sharing in the rebellion. But the man has done nothing wrong. And he said to Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth, you'll be with me today in paradise. It was now about the sixth hour and darkness came over the whole land until the ninth, for the sun stopped shining and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. And Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he said this, he breathed his last. The centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, surely this was a righteous man. And going back to Mark, just that last sentence as well. The centurion who stood in front of Jesus heard his cry and saw how he died and he said, Surely this man was the Son of God. Lord Father, just as these people saw something in Jesus and were changed, help us to see something in Jesus this morning by the power of your Spirit. Amen says when they saw what happened in Matthew it says that when they saw what happened so what did they see and what did they hear well the first thing is that Jesus prayed for them and that in itself is just stunning you know he's not put off by their racism he's not infuriated by their mocking he's not um, you know he's not vengeful but he's praying for their forgiveness and here, um, sorry, what's he, what's he doing there? He's, 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 he's praying for their forgiveness. I don't think that's just saying, okay, um, you're okay now. But he's praying for their hearts to change so that they will confess and receive the forgiveness of God just like everybody else does by, by believing in Christ. Saying, Father, forgive them. He's pleading in front of God. He says they don't know what they're doing. Um, which is... Uh, I think obviously particularly relates they didn't know they were killing the son of God though they were but he's he's not crying out because they're innocent he's 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 being their lawyer he's interceding he's stepping before God on their account and that starts something something is happening now that will change will make it not just things happening but that revelation is going to come to these guys Jesus prayed for them they heard his words they were detailed to guard the cross. And at some points in the story we read in John that Mary comes quite close, Jesus' mother comes quite close to the cross. And uh, Luke, we understand, has uh, interviewed Mary. Uh, he gives Mary's point of view throughout his gospel. And um, so we've got Mary hearing things said, the soldiers have to be there, they have to guard. So they would have heard the, uh, Jesus handing his mother to someone who's not his son but someone who's part of his kingdom. They hear a criminal calling him king, and Jesus behaving like he's king, even though he's nailed to a cross. He's not, he's not given up now. 
Um, indeed, I mean, the whole prayer of Father, forgive them. It's a, you know, he's, he's acting as a priest and he's acting at the king, even though, even though he's nailed to a cross and promising paradise to them. Um, they hear that. They also hear his request. It's mentioned in the Gospel of John that he was thirsty. And that drink is going to be very important in a minute. But they hear that, and for the first time, they do something kind. They give him some of their provisions, not the drugged wine we've heard about earlier. Jesus wanted to be totally conscious through it all. He wanted to be, you know, he wanted to, to be there. But um, they gave him some of their own provisions to drink in, in a moment. We'll hear more about that. So he prayed for them. They've heard his words. Now they see his dereliction. Darkness comes over the land. Um, we don't know if that means that the atoms and the sun stopped reacting. To be honest, why wouldn't they stop reacting when the Son of God is being crucified? It's perfectly possible. Or it may be dark clouds or whatever. The, the, the darkness comes over and it symbolizes that, Jesus, that, that sin is being laid upon Christ. He who had no sin was made sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus is carrying the penalty for all the wrong that the whole world has done, including the soldiers, including Pontius Pilate, including me. And Jesus cries out, it's mentioned in Mark, cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's quoting words written a thousand years before that detail what Jesus was going through on the cross and what he would go through when he rises again from the dead later. Um, he's crying that out. It's the only place in the, in the Bible where Jesus doesn't call God Father because he's been separated, for, separated from God by the, by the sin of the world that's been laid upon him. They see that. And finally, they witness his death. Um, the drink, as I said, was for a reason. Jesus is summoning his strength and he's going to cry out, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. In addition, he's going to cry out the amazing words, it is accomplished. Now, if you've seen the Mel Gibson film, he sort of bangles his head and goes, it's finished, this is all over. And it's not like that. It really does mean it's accomplished. I've done what I came to do. And people don't die like that when they're crucified. When they're, when they're crucified, they get weaker and weaker and the fluid builds up in their lungs and they basically drown on the cross slowly and agonizingly and whimper to their end. That isn't what Jesus did here. He, he cries out and then hands his spirit to God and he decides when he dies. He said, nobody takes my life from me. I lay it down and I pick it up again. And he, he hands his life over to God. It's there in all the Gospels where it says he gave up his spirit. It's not just a sort of fancy Hebrew euphemism, you know, passed away type word. No, it's, it means he gave up his spirit. It's not used of anybody else. They saw that. They saw that. And beyond that, they saw the circumstances. They saw the darkening sky. Uh, Matthew mentions an earthquake as he died. The, earth, the, the ground is starting to shake. Of course, we see it clearly as part of the story. God, God's orchestrating it. For them, a bit of a coincidence, maybe. It just, just got a bit dark. Um, you, know, you know, we are in an earthquake zone. You do get earthquakes from time to time. Just... just happened we don't do ourselves a favor by passing everything off as a coincidence god is at work in the circumstances around us he is working for the good of all those who love him he is working in the world and i have to step back and say you know this crisis that we're going through now what, what does it teach me 
You know, I, what, what does it show me? I don't pretend I've got all the answers, but one of the things it teaches me is I'm fragile. It teaches me that our systems and our, and our economies are far more fragile than we think. Considering, I mean, it's, it's a relatively weak virus, it could be worse. Um, you know, it's, it's fragile. My plans, I'm, I'm actually glad I haven't planned anything for the summer so far. You know, I mean, for, it's so used to having plans. And it says in the Bible, who are you to say tomorrow I'm going to do this and next week I'm going to do that? We're just a vapor. If God wills, I'll do it. You know, it, 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 I'm not saying it's a, it's a wonderful thing that's happening, but we need to learn the lessons from it and keep them learned. You know, these guys saw, the, saw what was happening their consciences were not in a good place and they realized you know it's time to confess and they do and they uh, you know, and they do they, they say Jesus you're a righteous man Jesus you're the son of God I think he said both you know and it probably said a lot more things besides because the Gospels can't record everything that was done and said but even just to confess that Jesus is a righteous man is a huge thing to say he's right he's, he's king then okay you know, he's, he's king. He's, he's right to be forgiving people and promising them paradise and handing his, handing his mother over to someone who's not in his family. He, he's right to be doing all of these things. That's a huge admission in itself. And then on top of that, we have the, uh, the confession that Jesus was, A, the Son of God. He may not have believed everything that we believe about Jesus, but they've gone a long way. Um, can I add in this that We've seen an amazing Jesus. Jesus doesn't get more amazing than him on the cross. He, you know, he stands up there com compared with us down here. He should wow us. He should inspire us to imitate him and follow him. You might think, well, that's impossible. He's so, so good. Well, if I was learning football, I'd be pleased to be taught by Ronaldo, wouldn't you? You know, you might as well have the best. And Jesus is the best. He's, he's not just a mechanism that saves us. He's an example to be followed. And how many people are getting changed through his miserable suffering as a victim? You know, it's not always when we're strong. You know, I don't like suffering. <laughs> but it is often through those things that people get changed. And we have to allow it. If God allows it, then we have to submit to it and say you know, you want this, and let's, Lord, let your glory shine through it. It's an example. It's an example to follow. Uh, on top of that, you know, we live in a community where there are people who will say that, no, it couldn't have been Jesus that died. That's too dishonoring to God. Um, we know that's a sort of traditional teaching of the Islamic religion. It's not every Muslim would necessarily say that. I hope you get some discussions about these things. But... Nobody else could say or do the things that Jesus did on the cross. It was him. He talked to his own mum. He prayed for the people who were, who were na putting nails through his hand. It was him. It was him. It, he, he really died. Um, praise God, we can agree with our Muslim friends. He's alive again and coming back. Okay. Um, so what do we do about all of this? We don't know what happened next in the soldiers' lives. Um, it may be... It says in Matthew that they were struck with terror. It may be for some of those soldiers that when the earth stopped shaking and the sun shone again, that they think, well, at least that's over. Drink down an amphora of wine, have a good sleep, and then find out who's next to crucify. It may be for some of them it was like that. It doesn't look as if the centurion, the leader, 
thought like that. And the traditions say that he went on. Whatever he thought about Jesus at that point, completely he went on and confessed Jesus as um, Savior and Lord, man and God and King. So but the question isn't really what they did. The question is what, what will we do? We haven't seen it with our eyes, but we've, we've heard it now. So what are we going to do? Um, I would sum it up in avoid and avail. Avoid being... Let's try to avoid some of the sources of the soldier's, the soldier's guilt. Choose our chains. If you're getting into something, uh, make sure you're getting into it for the right reasons, not just for the, as you say, the wage and the nice uniform as they did. Resist brutalization, picking on, a, not seeing who's before you. You know, they, this was the Son of God. It, it, it's, see, see the holiness and the, the, the wonder of the people that we're surrounded with. You know, there are no dull people. There are no ordinary people. Um, take care of the God things. Don't, uh, I teach my kids, don't muck around with the God stuff. You know, it, it's holy. In the old days, they didn't used to steal in church. You know, they might steal on the street, but they wouldn't steal in church. You sort of laugh about that, but we should treat holy things with greater respect. Um, that's the avoid. Then the avail, that's to make use. Make use of the things that brought the soldiers to their amazing confession of faith. Jesus is interceding for us just like he was praying for them. Jesus wants to forgive us however guilty we might feel um, or actually be. Jesus wants to forgive us and uh, he's, he's praying for us to that end. Um, be open to him speaking through circumstances. Jesus, God speaks to us through the things going on around us. Being here today might be one of those coincidences for you. Um, Jesus is caring for you, just like he cared for his mum from the cross and for the thief, he's caring for you too. Even in his agony, he did those things, and in his glory now, he's caring for you. Jesus is king. It may be, I don't know everybody in this room, maybe for some have never confessed that before, but today would be a very good day to confess that Jesus is king and make him my boss forevermore. Um, if you'd like to do that, come and talk to me or one of the leaders. That would be wonderful. Um, Jesus is our example to follow, even if it leads through suffering. And Jesus is the... We should be just wowed by that example. And Jesus is the Son of God. In uh, that phrase, surely he is the Son of God. In Matthew, the same thing was said by the disciples when Jesus steps off the water and into their boat. And it said they worshipped him, saying... Surely you are the Son of God. And let's do that now. Let's bring the band up again and let's worship Jesus to round off our time. I don't think there's anything better that we could do. I will just read out while they're coming up just a few verses in summary. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and with awe. Praise God that we have a solid, solid kingdom in all the shaking that's happening at this time. Let's worship him. Thank you. You've been listening to a Woodside Church podcast. For more information, visit woodsidechurch.com.